Hello, my name is Hyunsung Kang and welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund. Such is the importance of the Chinese economy that there will be few countries in the world not keeping a close eye on the performance of the world's second largest economy. China's economic health impacts, among other things, global commodity prices, investment and supply chains. So how is China doing at the moment and what are the implications for everyone else? I spoke to Marcus Rodlauer, the International Monetary Fund's mission chief for China. He says growth in the world's most populous country is moderating. China's economy has now been slowing uh, for six consecutive quarters. So this started early last year when uh, the government deliberately put in place policies to slow the economy, which had been growing very, very fast. Now, on top of that has come the global slowdown, uh, mainly related to the euro crisis. And that has uh, slowed down the economy somewhat more than expected and somewhat more than the authorities had themselves probably intended. So earlier this year, they switched gears somewhat and have started to support the economy moderately again. So we are seeing growth in China uh, uh, slowing down moderately to a pace of around 8% this year. Many economies would be over the moon to be boasting a growth rate of 8%. Is this good news for China? Is it too high, too low? What, what's your judgment on it? We believe that growth at around that pace of 7 to 8% a year going forward is sustainable for China and is very well doable and is also what the government has set itself as a goal in their own five-year plan, which was put in place um, last year. Uh, now, that being said, uh, in order to achieve that pace of growth over the medium term for many more years, China will have to change its growth model somewhat, which over the past few years has relied very much on very high rates of investment in China. So investment has been very strong. Uh, capacity has been built. And, 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 and this cannot continue forever. So there has to be, over the next few years, a smooth handover from ins investment to domestic consumption as the main source of growth in China. Okay, so let's go back to your recommendation that China needs to boost its domestic sources of growth. When you say that, what sort of things are you thinking about? What are we talking about in detail for the ordinary Chinese person? Savings in China are extremely high compared to international levels. Generally, they te one tends to spend about 70 to 80% of the income, and then you save 20 30% to either put it aside for the rainy day or to invest into the future productive capacity. China saves over 50% of its income, which means there is room to consume more. Now, what would one consume? First of all, we see that particular low-income earners in China still have way to go to reach the levels of consumption of ordinary goods, consumer goods. They save a lot because they have, um, they feel that they are not so uh, well provided for in their old age because the pension systems are not very strong. The health systems may not provide for the emergencies they might face. So that's why um, uh, a very high proportion of their income is saved and then either invested or put abroad in savings. Now that has to change, that these savings should come down somewhat and people need to spend more on goods of everyday life consumer goods, but also maybe on better health care, on housing, uh, furnishing their housing. So um, it's domestic consumption that really will uh, need to provide more of an engine of demand in China going forward. 
You made reference to housing. That was something that was a great worry a few quarters ago right. because there were some fears that the, there was a housing bubble in China. What's your assessment now? Here particularly the government has put on the brakes quite strongly. They saw that housing prices was rising, were rising very fast. Construction of new housing was going through the roof almost. And that has both consequences for the financial sectors, the fears of a bubble and the instabilities that this create. But equally important in China, they saw that this had a profound distributional in impact. That many people, because of the very rapid rise of housing prices, both of houses and of apartments, were starting to be priced out of the market. And that was a big concern for the government. So they had set themselves the goal of slowing down this boom and slowing down the rise in prices. In fact, engineering some decline in prices. And they have been successful here too, that we have seen a very clear deceleration of the boom in the housing market. Now, the reason why so many people are interested in the Chinese economy is because the performance of the world's second largest economy has a huge impact on its region, on the region and on the rest of the world. China is a great consumer of commodity goods. Mm -hmm. With it slowing, what's going to be the impact on com the price of commodity goods? We have studied this particularly for this round of our consultation very carefully. What's the impact of Chinese investment in general and Chinese housing investment in particular on the global economy? What are the spillovers to the rest of the world? And here China has now become so large that whatever happens in Chinese investment is profoundly important, as you said, for commodity exporters, but also for investment goods producers like, for example, Germany. We find that a very sharp slowdown in investment in China would have a fairly significant impact on growth and exports of goods from Germany into China. Have you actually put a number on this? Yes, we have estimated that in an exercise. So there are three groups of countries. One are the sort of surrounding neighbors around China, which are very well integrated in what we call the Chinese supply chain. Those are the products that are produced in a chain of, 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 of production with uh, various countries producing inputs and then they're being assembled in China and then exported somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Taiwan, for example, Taiwan province of China is a very clear example, Korea and so on are others. We have estimated that, for example, for Taiwan, which is the most impacted, if investment in China were to fall by one percentage point, growth in Taiwan would fall by 0.9. So it's almost a direct one-to-one -one impact. Then we have a second group of countries, which are the commodity exporters, which, as you said, uh, because of the demand from China for commodities globally, when demand in China drops, commodity prices and commodity exports from those countries drop. So, for example, for countries like Chile, which produce a lot of commodities that go to, uh, to Asia, a one percentage point decline in China would translate in in a fall of about 0.4% in Chile. And similarly, for example, African commodity exporters like Zambia, a slightly smaller impact, but in, in the same ballpark, 0.3%, 0.4%. And then we have a third group of countries which produce high-quality exports of investment goods because China currently is, re is relying so heavily on investment. A drop, a sharp drop in investment, as I said, would have a very significant impact on in exporters of investment goods. And even for large economies like Japan or Germany, for example, a one percentage point decline in investment in China would have an impact of about 0.1 percent in Germany and Japan, which is not trivial, which is significant given the size of these economies. Very significant. It just goes to show how closely integrated China is with the rest of the world. 
one part of that interlinkage which has got a lot of attention in in recent years is China's growing linkages with Africa. So what might the channels of of transmission be there if if China were to experience a slowdown? So, you know, I would like to say, you know, we're talking about very sharp slowdowns as I the, the sort of what we call um, soft landing that China is, is, is trying to engineer and is currently on track towards experiencing uh, w- would have a moderate impact on, on the global economy. But were there to be a much sharper fall, it would be serious. So, you know, for Africa, as I said, commodity exports is one is one side. But then also China, as you know, is investing a lot in many parts of the world, including in Africa. So were there to be a sharp drop in income and a sharp drop in in the economy in China, certainly investment outward from China to the rest of the world would probably also be affected. And that would also have an impact in Africa, which currently is benefiting from significant inflows of investment from China. So finally, Mr. Rodlau, then let me ask you this question to sum it up. How pessimistic or how optimistic should we be about the Chinese economy and the implications for the global economy as a consequence of its importance in the world? You know, I'm an optimist for China. I've been an optimist for many years. And if you look at the last two decades of growth and of of, of success in China, you cannot help but being a very excited optimist. Looking forward... Again, the opportunities are tremendous. But I have also always said China is a story of huge successes but of huge challenges. So one must not forget by uh, in, almost in one breath by mentioning all these tremendous opportunities for continuing growth, for continuing success, also to mention the huge challenges that this economy faces. They have been successful to master them in the past and we are confident that with the right kind of policies, with the right kind of advice and the right kind of um, global collaboration, they'll be able to go forward and master those challenges as well. And that was Marcus Rodlau, the IMF's mission chief for China, on the performance of the world's second largest economy. And you can hear more podcasts like this at www.imf.org forward slash podcasts. <laughs>